so many people are afraid of what's going to happen if they put themselves out there. If you act on, if you act on something that you care about, that's meaningful to you and someone, and you don't succeed or someone thinks it's silly for you to do that, or someone doesn't value it, then you can be hurt. It's vulnerable. Welcome to the Ziggler Show. I'm Kevin Miller, and I'm here today with my co-host, CEO of Ziggler, and the proud son of Zig himself, Tom Ziggler. In this episode, we talk with Joshua Spodek. So Joshua is an adjunct professor at NYU, an astrophysicist who helped build an X-ray observation satellite for NASA. He has seven Ivy League degrees and is an incredibly successful entrepreneur and uh, now successful author and about 20 other things. So in this literally life-changing conversation, Joshua dissects a profound concept that he coined as SIDCHA, S-I-D-C-H-A-A, self-imposed daily challenging healthy activity. So Ziggler fans have heard much about daily habits of success. But what came from this discussion was the healthy habit actions are far more valuable to us overall or what they do to us than just the sum of the end result of that particular activity. It's a big deal, folks. You got to listen into this. So we're talking about the habits that we do not have to do and the power of that in our lives. The daily habit of brushing your teeth, getting dressed, going to work, eating, those are have to habits. Healthy habits we do not have to do are things like morning devotions or exercise or journaling, working on improving a relationship. If we don't do those things, generally nobody knows or cares and you do not have an immediate negative consequence. The power in doing those things is in choosing to do something you don't have to do and what that does to your psyche ultimately. Uh, something challenging it has to be. So Joshua's new book, Leadership Step-by-Step, Step, Become the Person Others Follow is uh, not surprisingly, it's unlike any other leadership book as it doesn't simply teach you leadership skills. It makes you take action and learn how to actually lead self-imposed daily challenging, healthy activities to grow into a leader. Even if it's simply learning to lead yourself first, uh, Joshua has also done burpees every day for over four years and blogs every day at his website, joshuaspodek.com. You got to go there, Joshua, and then S P O D E K.com. Uh, as always, if you get value from this show, please tell us by leaving a review in iTunes. It's the best way to thank us, and it helps other people find us. Well, here then, Tom Ziegler and I bring you a massive message from Joshua Spodek. So, hey, Joshua, so great to have you here. We were, you and I were introduced by my brother, Jared Angaza, uh, who interviewed you on his show and EP Radio, and you guys connected so well that he immediately sent me a text and said, okay, man, I, I interviewed this guy. I think he would really resonate with you and the Ziggler show. Uh, you got to do it. So that's what brought you here and just honored to have you with us. I'm honored to be here. And Jared was phenomenal. I, I, I credit him for, I mean, he led the podcast, but it was, he made it very easy to be open, to be authentic, to just speak my mind. Uh, and it's funny because I see, I listen to him connect with other people too, totally different ways. So credit to him. Okay. We'll, we'll see if, we'll see if Tom and I are as good as, uh, as my brother. Well, you are an author a university professor with a PhD in astrophysics, uh, and you swam across the Hudson River and done burpees every day for six years, 90,000 plus and counting. All right, the astrophysics thing is, is way impressive, of course, but as an athlete myself, 
I want to talk about burpees for just a second. You are infamous for these now. (laughs) So infamous that Tim Ferriss and a guest talked about you on Tim's show when burpees came up. So we were just about to talk about it before we started the recording. Yeah. I, you helped inspire me. I'm on a kick to do when I come in here to the office, which is most days I set my timer every hour. I drop down and do 10 quick burpees. I can't say that yet. I like them. I don't look forward to the buzzer going off. I'm not really ecstatic when it does. And those, that 10 count, I don't think there's an exercise that I do. Not even pull-ups where the 10 count is as long as the burpees uh, seem to be. But tell us a little bit of the story. Yeah, people often ask me if I enjoy burpees or if they get easier. It's not that they get easier over time. It's like when Arnold Schwarzenegger got huge, the weights didn't get lighter. He got stronger and more able to lift them. And really burpees are very, not one single burpee that I've done has been easy. Every single set before I do it, I'm like, oh, this is going to be hard. But every single set, when I finish, I'm like, I'm going to do it again next time. And people say, Josh, you must have incredible discipline to be able to do that. And I, I, I hear them saying it like they're excusing themselves. Like, oh, you have this special thing that you have discipline and I don't and therefore I can't. And what I've learned is that develops discipline that it I, I i'm as lazy as anyone and it's as easy for me to give me give myself an excuse not to do it but every single time i do it i develop the skill of discipline it's just like if you lift weights your muscles will get bigger i mean assuming you do it right and not injure yourself and so forth and every time i do it i develop the skill to be able to do what i want to do even when it's hard and that is tremendously valuable over the rest of my life the fitness is like a side effect at this point. Well, I was literally going to ask about that because in your, in your book uh, or on the blog, I've read enough now that it's going to mix between the two, but you actually take, uh, take tasks somewhat to that aspect of discipline. I read that about you where you have people say you must be so dip- disciplined. And you said, no, explain that just a little bit more where you say, no, it's the act of doing it creates discipline because it sounds like, Oh my gosh, you do it every day. Yes. You must be one of those people out there who is just born with this discipline gene. Yeah. When I was, I guess the time when I, when I stumbled across burpees, cause when I read this New York times article that mentioned where some fitness people uh, in particular, Martin Jabala, the guy who was on with Tim Ferriss, his book just came out and they said, what, if there's a single best exercise, what is it? And he said, the burpee, I'd never heard of it. So I looked it up and I found it. And at the time, I'd run a, I'd run marathons and I was switching. Like I didn't want to do marathons anymore. Now I live in Manhattan. Like the, the gym is a block away, but I know that if it rains, I'm not going to go out. I know that it costs money and sometimes I'm not going to feel like paying the money. And so burpees, they're body weight. So you don't need any equipment. You don't need a trainer. It doesn't matter what the weather is. You can travel. And I look at this thing. I'm doing these at the beginning. I did 10 burpees a day for 30 days with a friend of mine. And I'm realizing there's no excuses left. I can always do burpees. And so it's like, I'm very lazy, very easy to just take any excuse that I can. And there's no excuses. So, and the other thing is I have a minimum level of fitness that I, you know, I don't want to get below a certain level of fitness. So if you look at it, if they are the most efficient exercise, I'm doing the least work of anyone to get this level of fitness. In fact, I bet there are people who do a lot more work that are less fit because they're doing things that are less efficient. Mm -hmm. Now, I'll also do other things. Like I still go running and I have a rowing machine, so I still do that stuff. But the burpees, it takes away all my excuses. 
it's the most efficient thing. So anytime I think of doing something else, I'm like, ah, I could do burpees and be more lazy. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't, I didn't get lazy out of your bio at all, but I'm tracking. (laughs) Well, I mean, I, I, if I got below a certain threshold, I'd start feeling like I got to get back into shape. Yeah. So there's that, that's a value of mine that I, you have to live by your values. So given that value, I'm doing the minimum I can. Absolutely. And there's so much, as you know, in the, in the fitness and health realm, that is a test. It is testifying to that, the hit training, things like that. So it makes sense. Yeah. It's, it's really, and then I've made it part of my identity so that it's kind of public. Uh So if I, if I ever don't do my burpees, I don't know. I feel like everyone's going to be like, Josh, what's going on? Uh, yeah, you got some of the best burpee accountability on the planet. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Yes. Yeah. So, so you do the burpees every day and Seth Godin publishes his blog every day. For- oh, I also do. I also post a blog every day. Yeah. So I'm up to 2,700 posts in very shortly. So Very nice. That came before the burpees. <clears throat> so it kind of, I didn't start with the hard stuff. I started with something relatively easier. Well, Not of course, I to start it. Actually, I didn't, I didn't say I'm going to pick up these habits. I did the habits and there are plenty of other habits that have like fallen by the wayside, but these two were the first ones that I was like, this is really great. This is making my life better. Yes. It takes work and effort. It's worth it though. And then, then it all spun up from there. Okay. So I got a quote since you seem to be uh, a creature of habit. Yeah. So here's the quote and uh, dissect it. Tell me what you think. Your attitude is a reflection of your character and your character is a reflection of your habit. Well, I, I mean, the first thing I think of is it's rooted in behavior. It's great to have opinions. It's great to have values, how you behave. That's what matters. And if you, the things like everyone knows to be a great leader you should have empathy. You should have perseverance. You should, ha- you should listen well. You should understand and all, all these things. The thing is not knowing about them is, is not enough. You have to behave with them. And habits is how you, what you practice, you get good at. What you don't practice, you don't get good at. And so the habits that have stuck with me are the ones that are around the things that are very important to me. So fitness is important to me and behavior is important to me. So burpees, it's, you know, it's hard to do them, but it's hard to do lots of things. Most things are easier than burpees. Yeah. Writing and communication, that's important to me too. So writing fits in with that. I used to do yoga for a while, but it wasn't in meditation. I've, I've done a lot of those things, but they didn't fit in as well. They, you, know, you only have time for a certain number of habits, and those are the ones that didn't stick. I, I do them. I still do them, just not every single day. Well, we're talking about habits. We've mentioned that a hundred times, and that's really a key thing I wanted to focus on in the show today, though. I want to back into it just for a second with a couple of things from your book, Leadership Step-by-Step. I love the research that you did on where leaders come from, speaking of daily habits, but it reminded me uh, somewhat of, of Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers book, where he debunked that big performers are just massively brilliant or genius or superheroes from another dimension, but that they merely put in more time, had a great opportunity to put in more time than everyone else. And he of course approximated that to 10,000 hours, but in a similar vein, it hit me. You showcase how so many of, of our top leaders were high performers elsewhere and question why our leadership schools aren't producing the top leaders. 
And uh, yeah, it made me think that if, if I was to ask you, where would you, if you had to le- get a leader for an initiative you were starting, would you take an Olympic athlete or a top grad from an Ivy League leadership class and why? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm involved with Ivy League leader, leadership I, stuff. I so know, I know. Talk about that. But I will point out that uh, look at some of the presidents that we've had. Uh, Ronald Reagan was an actor. He was a football player. Gerald Ford was a football player. Uh, Abraham Lincoln was a wrestler. Mm-hmm. Uh, they all, you know, pra- things that you practice to get good at, they develop this genuineness and authenticity and perseverance and, and the ability. I don't care what sport you play. You're going to lose. I don't care if you're Michael Jordan, LeBron James, you lose every now and then. And you got to handle that and get past that. And you learn that. George W. Bush was our first MBA president. Uh, I think it was a Harvard MBA not the highest rated president, whether, you know, independent of politics in terms of the ratings that historians give them wasn't the highest rated. And the ones who came from athletes and performance, they do. And you see a lot of people go from performance, like singing, uh, acting, and they move into leadership or, oh, sorry, I live in New York city. Yeah, I hear that. Uh, <laughs> cool. But you very rarely see people go the other way. It's very rare that a politician becomes a performer. So that tells me that one of these is a more fundamental set of skills to be able to perform, to listen, to empathize. And that for me was a major, what it filled in a gap between why I would see lots of people move from one to the other and why there are so many people who excel at performance that didn't go to traditional school. They didn't come out of Ivy league schools and then they go into leadership and they become tremendous. Uh, And why there's so many people with great degrees who did not excel that much in leadership. Well, and that comes to that point that I loved reading in your book where, yeah, you can learn leadership skills or you can learn to lead. We've got a big audience here of people who we have a lot of leaders and a lot of people who want to wonder if you could give us a personal example uh, in, in your own life or one of your students or somebody you've coached consultant where they were, you helped them effectively take their success in a, in a sport, uh, let's say, or, or somewhere else and extrapolate that into leading. And it wasn't giving them again, a four-year degree or whatever in, in, in leadership skills. You just took what they were already doing that embodied a lot of those skills and helped them take it into a, a legitimate leadership role or a, an official leadership role, I should say. Well, I, the first thing that comes to mind is, is there's two stories that I tell in my book about myself. And cause I think, now people sometimes say, well, Josh, you're natural at this stuff, but I wasn't natural at this stuff. When I was in college, I, when I played, um, uh, let's see. Okay. When I was in college, I was, uh, I was even captain of, of the sport. I played ultimate Frisbee. I don't know if you know the sport, yep. but it's people get really passionate about it, including myself. After we would play all day, we would, um, we'd go by the vans and I always wanted to get in the van and go, cause we're hungry we're dirty. We want to take showers. We want to go to sleep because it's been a long day. Everyone would sit by the vans and change, you know, out of their cleats and out of the dirty stuff and the clean stuff. And then we get in the vans, go to the hotel to shower and then get dinner. And I would say, guys, why don't we get in the vans? We can change in the vans and that way we'll get to sleep and eat and, and shower faster. And they never did. I mean, in years, they never did. This was before I learned any leadership stuff. And they would, I remember one time, KJ, this one, one teammate, I said, like, why aren't you guys getting in the van? And he goes, you know, Josh, what you're saying makes sense. I hear you, but the way that you're saying it makes me not want to do it. And it was, it was, it was really frustrating at the time. And fast forward to 
after I learned a lot of this leadership stuff. I, uh, do you guys know Francis Hesselbein? Mm. So Francis Hesselbein is my mentor, Marshall Goldsmith, his mentor. And she, yeah. she was, she's one of the presidents of Freedom. I met her once at actual uh, book release and she invited me to go visit her. And I was going to meet her and I'm thinking, all right, she invited me to meet her. She's been to the White House. She's been, she's like really top in the field. And on my, I'm trying to think of like, what do I talk to her about? Cause I don't want to ask her stuff that everyone asks her about. I don't want to be boring. And then I realized like, wait, I teach how to make a meaningful connection. I teach, it's basically an acting exercise, but instead of acting like a script to, to be on stage, it's acting how to be a leader, how to influence people, how to make people feel comfortable connecting with you openly. And suddenly I was calm because I was thinking, what am I going to say? Oh, I know I'm going to do my exercise, my meaningful connection exercise. So I get there, I walk in her office and there's like, there's like, she works with the, the uh, West Point a lot. So there's like all these swords like gleaming in the sunlight and there's pictures of her with all these generals. There's pictures of her with like Reagan and Obama and Carter and all these presidents. Very intimidating, much more intimidating than my teammates. So I walk in and her assistant sits me down on the couch and she pulls up her chair and I'm like sitting there like two feet from her. And she looks me in the eye and she goes, well, what would you like to talk about? I'm like, you're the leader. You're, I'm, you invited me. And I felt like I'm really on the spot. Like, how do I, uh, I would have felt really on the spot, but she's kind of said, you lead me when she's the recognized leader. And luckily I, I had in mind, I'm going to do this meaningful connection exercise. And I'm basically doing acting. I'm acting the, a script and the script is in my book. And it's, you know, I go through the lines and she basically responds how people generally respond when you do these lines. And it engages her in this conversation that we, we really make a meaningful connection. I call it a meaningful connection exercise because that's what it does. And what was originally a half hour, we were scheduled for coffee for half an hour. Three hours later, her assistant comes in and says, Ms. Hesselbein, I, I apologize for interrupting, but the next guest is here and I have to interrupt and you know, you got to get this guy out and she's got the next one person has to come in. And so Francis says to me, I don't remember a more delightful conversation. And I really was just acting as a leader. So acting is a performance skill and it's a set of skills, but it wasn't acting to act. You know, it's not like a, a script to be on TV. Right. And actually I should mention that she, it wasn't just a nice conversation because she put me in touch with uh, West Point and I'm now scheduled to, or we're in the process of scheduling me to speak at West Point this fall, which is to me a tremendous honor. And the summer also, I was, my first piece was published in her institute's journal, the Leader to Leader Journal. So it's, it, it's not just like talk, although that was great. It was also a, I, I led her. I led this leader into bringing me into her world. And that's what, that's using the, these, this type of learning that I didn't get when I was in school. In school, it was like lecture, case study, read psychology papers, watch TED Talks, that sort of thing. Better than nothing. Definitely better than nothing. It woke me up to all this, but it wasn't practicing and it wasn't developing skills and developing experience. Well, which to me is what's so profound about the book. It's not just about learning the skills. You actually make people lead. You make us work through the, the workbook in essence. I love what you say about a script 
and a plan. And, and to you, Tom, I mean, my gosh, you've talked so many stories about Zig. And as we want to have him, just like we're talking about you, Joshua, oh, you're one of those disciplined people that Zig was just, I mean, he came out of the womb as a, one of the most professional speakers and presenters of all time. And yet Tom, you know, is, is habitually telling us, telling the stories of, no, the guy was the most incredible student of that craft of all time. And, uh, and, and Tom, he talks about Joshua in the book talks a lot about technique. I mean, Zig was, he was technique when it came to his skill. Absolutely. He, he went in deep into, uh, not what he wanted to say as much as how could he communicate where people would receive it and use it. And, and there's a difference because we can just speak from our head and this is my message and take it or leave it. Or, or dad would go that one step further and say, how can I position this to where people will actually buy into it and go and use it? Uh, and one of the stories that I, I love about dad is he was being trained by, uh, he was doing physical workout with Chris Patterson. And this is a number of years ago. And it was his first workout and he was doing too much. And Chris was saying, stop, stop, slow down, slow down. And dad on the last rep, he's struggling to, to do the bicep curl and his veins are popping out. And he looks at Chris and he says, Chris, you don't have to like everything you do. Hmm. And his point was, is that if we're going to have an impact, if we're going to make a difference, we're going to have habits like burpees. We're going to have a habits like preparing. And because it's all part of the package, because his dad's deal and, and, the, and the deal that we at Ziegler and the, and the reason we're excited you're on, uh, Josh, is that we want to equip people to impact their community. And it's truth when you say, hey, there's some things worth doing that like a burpee. That's probably not the most fun thing you can do right now. Yeah. yeah you know, when people look at, I don't know, Venus Williams is right now in the top 10 in the world. Again, right. She's like 37. And n- it makes total sense. Everyone looks at her. No one looks at her and says, oh, uh, she doesn't practice. She just happened to be born that way. Of course, she, everyone looks at an athlete like that and says she practices more than anyone. But somehow, tragically, we often look at people in leadership positions, organizers, and we say, oh, they must have been born that way, but not me. And I hope that my book is, you know, and, and we collectively help change that perspective to say, if you want to be great at influencing people, if you want to be great at leadership, practice, practice, practice. And, you know, my book has a bunch of exercises to give you something specific to to practice. But the big picture, the most fundamental thing is you can learn it. It's all learnable and the technique and practice and rehearsal and finding mentors and people who have done it before so you can learn from them. In other fields, we just naturally think that way. In the military, of course, we learn from people who've been there before in sports and in acting and singing. I hope that happens in leadership. Well, so on that habits and exercise, which is such a big point of, of your book. And I read this blog. And so folks, I'm going to, I'm going to give this to you. If you'll type in your search engine, Joshua Spodek, S P O D E K, and then type in this S I D C H A Sitcha. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the, here's this, here's this blog that he wrote the self-imposed daily challenging, healthy activity series. 
Uh, and most of our Ziggler and listeners, they know that Zig was a pioneer of daily habits that lead to success. I mean, his self-taught cards alone have, uh, I mean, so many people have testified to that changing their lives, a simple daily activity, but you start the blog off with this statement. You said reading, watching, and listening to people tell you how you can develop yourself professionally or personally. It doesn't change anything beyond, beyond giving you information. People don't succeed. Here's, I have this in bold. People don't succeed because they have more information. They succeed because they act now, right? Real, real close to that. You say they often don't act because of insecurity. That was really a curiosity to me. I had never really heard it put that way. We explain that a bit. Okay, folks, if you'll let me pause the interview for just a moment, Joshua's book, Leadership Step-by-Step, Become the Person Others Follow, is profound. As again, it doesn't just give you more information on leadership. We honestly have a glut of that today. Instead, he guides you to exercise that actually teach you to lead. And if leading is not your focus, that's not the term that you're after. How about being influential or being respected? That's what we're talking about here. And if you say you don't want those either, then I challenge that you don't really want to serve people because if you aren't able to influence people and you don't have their respect, you really can't serve a soul and you won't progress far. So get that book at Joshua Spodek, S-P-O-D-E-K dot com or wherever you buy your books. But this next next segment here, we talk about SIDCHA, self-imposed daily challenging healthy activities. That's what we're diving in uh, to with Joshua right now in the interview. And in all truth, it's when I read uh, this blog that he wrote about SIDCHA, it's what spurred me to get Joshua booked for the show and bring him to you guys. Uh, so I, I want I, I wanted to talk about this further. It's now become, this SIDCHA has become part of my own life and vernacular. So I'd encourage you to really, truly listen to this. Uh, Again, if you get value here, folks, please share it with someone who could benefit. Uh, Give it as a gift to them and leave us a review in iTunes. Real quick, I want to tell you about two great services that have free offerings for our Ziggler listeners. Zip Recruiter. If you are hiring, do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Finding great talent can be tough. We all know that. With Zip Recruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites with just one click. Then their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your job better than anyone else. That's why Zip Recruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, Zip Recruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you, it finds them. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on Zip Recruiter get a quality candidate through the site. Within just 24 hours, no juggling emails or calls to your office, simply screen rate and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy to use dashboard. You can find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. So right now, Ziggler listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right. Totally free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Ziggler. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Ziggler. Next is FreshBooks. To all the freelancers listening right now, and I know we have a lot in the Ziggler audience, if you could reclaim up to 192 hours a year of your precious time, would you do it? If you're doing the math, 192 hours would save you two working days per month. Who wouldn't benefit from an extra two days a month? Our friends at FreshBooks make ridiculously easy cloud accounting software for freelancers. 
by simplifying tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, and getting paid online, FreshBooks has drastically reduced the time it takes for over 10 million people to deal with their paperwork. If that's not enough incentive, the FreshBooks platform has been rebuilt from the ground up. They've taken simplicity and speed to an entirely new level and added powerful new features. If you've not yet used FreshBooks, now would be the time to try because FreshBooks is offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for all Ziggler listeners, no credit card required. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com slash Ziggler and enter the Ziggler show, inspiring your true performance in the, how did you hear about us section? Again, that's freshbooks.com slash Ziggler. So many people are afraid of what's going to happen if they put themselves out there. If you act on, if you act on something that you care about, that's meaningful to you and someone, and you don't succeed or someone thinks it's silly for you to do that, or someone doesn't value it, then you can be hurt. It's vulnerable. And so we don't want to do that. You know, a lot of people will do stuff that other people tell them to, you know, you'll work all your whole life at a job where people tell you, do this and I'll pay you. It's not very personal. I mean, you got to pay your rent and stuff like that. You got to buy food, but to take, to act on something that you care about is to put yourself out there, to open yourself up to criticism, to, uh, to being humbled, to being laughed at. And we've all, we, I, I'm saying this as I, I think of myself as a child, like I would do something, I'd wear something that was, I thought was really cool. And then people would be like, ah, oh, Josh looks, he's wearing that shirt and they'd make fun of me. And I, I, I still feel that shame, sometimes it's guilt or something like that today. And not for the same thing, but I know that feeling and we try to avoid that. And so if you act, you can be criticized. If you keep it inside, you won't get hurt. You won't be vulnerable and you will never reach your potential either. Well, I, that was a big deal to me. I just had not heard it put in those terms. And I want to go further in your analogy there. You took aim. This is curious, Tom, you'll appreciate this because he takes, takes aim at the personal development marketing uh, that's done, which we're involved in. We're in the personal development world. So looking at that that's marketing, yeah. yeah, well, sure. And, but you filtered it, filtered through the marketing verbiage, which I love and the tactics to discern what really does help people to take action, which I found just fascinating. And I want to walk through, if you will, uh, with you, with, uh, for our listeners and break down, uh, break this down because I think it's profound. Again, these are the, the, the acronym you came up with SIDCHA. So first one self-imposed, and I'm, this is what you wrote. That is you have to choose to do it going to work, which you just mentioned a second ago, going to work. So you don't lose your apartment, uh, does not count. So, I mean, I assume you're basically differentiating between the proactive action where there isn't necessarily a tangible acute consequence if you don't do it. Nobody's going to die or hold me accountable if I don't do my burpees when my buzzer goes off, uh, as opposed to the reactive activities we do because there is that quick negative response. If we don't, like not showing up for work, we don't have money, can't pay our rent. Yeah. Yeah. If you, that, that choosing to do it, it makes it unnecessary. And when it's unnecessary, for the outside world, but you still do it, that, that voluntariness is that, that develops your motivation, your motive. Other things they, they won't, it, it's that combination of things of self-imposed daily challenging, healthy and active, all of that together makes it something that you really learn from. No one just going to work every day or doing whatever, what following everybody else that doesn't develop you. This is, that makes it, your motivation, your emotional system, as opposed to just something that you do. Uh, if you have to go to school or you're going to get punished, 
that doesn't develop the same character. This does when, when, you know, when it matters to you. Well, it's interesting because you almost make it say, as, I, as I'm listening to you, that the unnecessary activities in many ways, we'll talk about self-discipline as we were before, that the unnecessary activities, the habitual unnecessary activities, healthy activities, but that they have more value for us to overall. develop you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if, if as you know, we were kids, we go to school from kindergarten through 12th grade college, maybe, maybe graduate school. Okay. The K to 12 part, you got to go or you're going to get punished. That doesn't develop your character. It might develop your, um, uh, your intelligence. It might give you a bunch of facts, but facts and character, are different things. By the time if you're going to graduate school and you choose to go there and you're paying for it yourself, that's more going to develop you as your character. So I'm curious in your role. uh, I mean, you work with a lot of people, you speak to people, uh, you work with, you know, from students to to coaching and, and, and present at places. So working with a lot of people, what is your perspective on saying, I mean, I would think to some degree as a culture, as a society that we all tend to always tend to, have more reactive activities than proactive. Would you say though, that today for those listening to, for all of us living in today's world, are we in a, have we grown more that way, more reactive, less proactive? Are we the same? What do you see? Well, you know, it's funny because in my world, the more that you become proactive, the more that you surround yourself with proactive people. So if you become reactive and you don't take initiative, you're probably going to be surrounded by people who are reactive and don't take initiative. So the total overall, I mean, in my world, it's much more reactive, uh, pro- proactive all the time. Overall, it's tough to say. I mean, certainly, uh, if, there's certainly trends that point to us being not proactive and more reactive. Uh, you know, the health is, the physical health of this country, there are a lot of very healthy people, but there are a lot of people who could be a lot more healthy. They know what to do. They're not doing it. There's a lot of people who you know, there's a victim mentality that, that grows in a lot of different places. There's a lot of, um, right now in this country, there's a lot of acrimony. There's a lot of people reacting to each other, not figuring out what's the best thing to do to lead the community, to bring people together. But what do I feel like doing? Like one side will call the other side names. They vent. Venting is very reactive. It's not, it's not about making the world better. It's about venting. It doesn't make the world a better place. So there's a lot of that going on. To me, there's a big leadership vacuum in this country right now that I think people could step up. There's one big thing that's motivating me, why I want to teach leadership. You know, I, physics and astrophysics, I love the beauty of nature. But I look at what's needed in the world right now. I think leadership and the ability to take initiative, take responsibility and act on these things effectively, out of compassion, to connect with other people. However much there is, there should, I would like to see a lot more. I hope to be a part of bringing about a lot more. And I, what drives me, writing a book is not an easy thing to do, right? It, it, like your shoulders hurt and your butt hurts and you got all this <laughs> editing and everyone's, everyone's a critic. But I didn't see a set of exercises that would develop these skills that I think are very important. And so that's what drove me to it. So I don't know the answer if it's what direction it's going, but I'd like it to be more. Tom, what's your perspective in that? Same thing, man. You, you, you lead and influence so many people, walk with so many people. Where do you find yourself viewing the culture in that proactive, reactive scenario? Yeah, I'm going to, get, I'm going to go philosophical here for a second. I just had a, a doctor in my office. 
Kevin's smiling because when am I ever not philosophical? I, I, I wasn't going to, I was trying to hold it back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was telling me that in the last seven to 10 years, bureaucracy, uh, administration in hospitals has grown 3,000%. Hmm. The number of administrators in the medical world has grown 3,000%. And the, what was the timeline? I'm writing this down. That's um... I think it's like the last 10 years. Okay. He, he, he might have said seven. Um, I kind of believe it doesn't matter what government there is in place. The government's ultimate job is to stay in power. I mean, that's what it's about, right? We, we want to stay in power. And so we, we sit here and we look at the messaging that we get from uh, the government, the medical community. And I'm not talking about doctors. I'm talking about the leadership of it. And it seems to be this idea of we're going to stay in power. And so instead of empowering people to be proactive, we're training people to be reactive hmm. as a culture. And so here's what I mean. If the government's ability, job is to stay in power, they really only have two threats. And the threats are this, people who have incredibly strong family ties. Because if you've got a family network that is strong and solid, you don't need the government. And, and the other threat is people who have money. Because if you've got money, you don't need the government. You can take care of yourself. And so you can look at a lot of the policies and things that come down, and it's kind of anti-family, and it's kind of anti-money, right? It's about, hey, let's bring all this money into a collective. Let the government distribute it out. And so with this doctor, we were having like the same exact conversation because he was saying that so many doctors feel like all the relationships are stripped out of why he got into medicine. Hmm. And he is just a cog in the wheel. He's no longer a doctor with a name, with a personality, with a certain skill set. He's an independent contractor for this megacorp that says, this is how we want your hours. And so instead of encouraging him to find his own niche and be proactive and everything else, it's be reactive and fit in and be the cog in the machine, which is what, what Seth has said. And so the battle for me in our lives is uh, I call them zombies, Josh. I, I speak all over the world and I'll ask people, how many of you have ever worked for worked with a zombie and all the hands go up, Oof. right? Yeah. <laughs> And a zombie is somebody who's not sure why they're doing what they're doing. They get there barely on time. They leave a little early. They check their their Twitter and their social media and their text all throughout the day. And they're just doing the minimum. Instead of saying, what is the, what is the greatest person I could become? And realizing that that's a choice only they can make. Nobody can get your dream for you. I, I can't get Kevin's. I can't get Josh's. Only you know what your dream is and only you can get it. And so one of the things that I tell people is, hey, you are ridiculously in charge of your dreams. And when people take ownership, I've seen rooms where the whole body language of the rooms just flips in five seconds when people realize the enormity of the coolness and the weight of my own dream. Yeah, yeah and it does take effort. It does take initiative. You do have to get through a struggle 
I, you know, what you talked about in education, in medicine is a lot like I spend more time in, in higher education and what schools teach is, you know, they're intellectually, they give you a lot of knowledge and facts, but socially and emotionally, which would give you independence. They don't teach that. They, they teach compliance. You know, it's like, this is, you can choose among these majors, but once you pick it, here's how you're going to learn it. Here's what we're going to teach you. And here's how you demonstrate that you've learned it. And it's all about writing stuff down. I mean, there's, there's more active learning now than before, but what drives me is, is to bring active learning there. And it's, it's professors, a lot of them, it's like, you just fit with it. It's publisher parish and you have to fit within a certain niche. And it's not so much teaching how to perform and how to dis- how to challenge your own values so that you can discover what yours are, not just say what Plato's idea of values are and compare that to Aristotle's, but actually to what I would call learning at a, at a, at a much deeper level to develop it as a person. And what you said in, in medicine is very, very similar. And yeah, we're teaching compliance. Maybe for some people, that's all they want. That's their business. But I think people like a lot more to be able to, to create, find out what's valuable for themselves, learn how to interact with others so that they can share their passions and share, create meaning and purpose for each other. Well, so on that, uh, that, uh, compliance it's not the crowd we have here listening thank goodness and they're here yeah. listening yeah. because they want to and as i look at your leadership style your leadership uh, teaching which i agree your book hits on something that i have not experienced in leadership teaching of, of, of any type um and, and even to this you know blog that we're talking about in this sidcha where i know you talked about it well actually i'll ask you i mean you, you talked about it so so tom you know, on this blog at the end of the blog you have uh, joshua a, it's over a 1 hour talk on uh sidcha which at first you know i thought okay this is a great little exercise kind of like zig self talk cards but you have done uh presentations on this and you i think if i can state it right you said you, I, you think it's it's a, a a major contribution to the world this is the yeah. value of of sitcha because what i extrapolate from that is this is an exercise to groom discipline health and, and success ultimately we're here the the ziggler tagline inspiring your true performance that's what zig was calling people that you can do more you can be better you can have uh more but you can be more in and of uh, in and of yourself and I, I i i think i agree with you this this seemingly small exercise is dramatic. And I think, yeah, didn't you say that in, in the video? It was something that you think this is one of the uh, premier offerings that you can give to humanity in essence. Yeah. I think that after I'm gone, I, I think my, my, how I teach leadership, I think is great. I think how I teach entrepreneurship is great. Uh, I'm starting this podcast on leadership in the environment. I think that'll be great. And I think of all of these things, the Sid Chuck concept in the long term will be my greatest contribution. Hmm. It's, it's so simple. And if you choose choose to do something self-imposed daily, challenging, healthy, and active, you will become inside. It's, I think of it as life. It helps to have structure to build your life on. And without it, it's like you're building in sand with it. It's like you're building in bedrock and it it gives you structure to build on. It gives you what it it teaches you values. And, And there's no way that I can say it in a way that would make sense. The same as doing a Sid Shah, 
consistently <clears throat> for a long period of time that these things just come together. And that's why you have people who are actors and people who are singers. They have this authenticity and this genuineness that comes out through rehearsal and practice and the self-discovery that comes with it. Like recently I noticed after doing years and years of burpees, I noticed that, tell me if this sounds familiar. Just before I start a set of burpees, I stand there and I'm like, okay, now uh, New York city. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, I'm about to start. And I say to myself, okay, go. And I'm still standing there. I'm like, all right, now I'm going to go. Okay. Okay. Now I'm going to go. Okay. Now I'm now. Okay. Now seriously, I'm going to go. All right. I've been doing this for years, every single day, twice a day. And I still do that. Okay. So what I noticed recently is that there's a feeling that I get just before when I'm about to do it. And just before I do, like I'll notice that my bed isn't made and I'll think to myself, Oh, I can make my bed. That's a good reason to put off doing the burpees. I got an excuse. And there's this feeling of, Oh good. I don't have to do it. That it's an impulse. It's, and it's like, I, I, what I'm learning first, I identify it. Then I, well, the details aren't a whole big thing, but like I've realized, okay, I've sensed that I want to go make the bed. I sense that that would get, uh, let me put off the burpees, but I'm here to do burpees. I'm going to let that feeling go and I'm going to stay back where I am. And that's the ability not to, to be aware of an impulse to say procrastinate or to get angry, to ang- lash out at someone in anger or to be reactive, to be able to sense that at that fine level. I mean, people who meditate and yoga, you can get that. But this way, it, it comes up. It's one of the things that comes up. And every couple of months, there's another thing that comes up of self-awareness and the skills to handle these things. So for me now, it's become much easier for me to notice that sensation and react, uh, uh, react to it in, 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 a, in a proactive sense, proactive, I guess, with it, which is to say, okay, I feel it. Nonetheless, that's not what I'm here for. And, and I've noticed that I used to spend sometimes like five or 10 minutes just standing there before starting my burpees. And now it's never more than 30 seconds. And I think after a little while, it's going to come down to much faster. And I think my procrastination in the rest of life is going to go down. That's one of the things that this gives you. That's one area, but every couple of months, it's something different. Well, again, I'm, uh, I just haven't heard it put this way and I'm fascinated by it. So, so folks, I want to speak plainly. So self-imposed, this is number one of the Sitcha self-imposed. And I feel like we could stay here for the rest of the show, even though I have some other things I want to cover, but you're talking about a daily list in essence of don't have tos. There shoulds. I should do this. I should that taking those and the value of doing them goes far beyond that thing far beyond. Okay. I should eat a, a salad. I should eat some, some whole foods, some organic foods, I should, some fresh foods. I should, I should do that. It's not just a should I'm not doing it. And so I did it. I accomplished it. Hopefully that makes me a healthier uh, person internally, physiologically, digestively. And you're saying, okay, th- yeah, that's going to happen, but there's far greater value in what you just did to your psyche. So now if I make this a routine and I'm thinking about, I, I had somebody tell me this one time talking about routines. I said, Kevin, do you ever forget to brush your teeth? No, I, I don't know that I've ever forgotten to brush my teeth as long as I can remember. Do you ever forget to get dressed and, and, and go out the door? I haven't done that. Um, do you forget to go to work or feed your kids breakfast or whatever? Well, no, I don't. I mean, those are, those are have to. So what are my lists that now I'm going to make have to's like burpees or for me, it's been pull-ups for a long time. Now I'm adding, adding burpees or, or Tom, I mean, you and I have talked about this with devotions, with daily devotions. Some people are going to do meditations, but we're going to be in the, in the Bible and, and we have to make that a, a have to, 
but you're just taking it beyond the end result of that one thing and saying those culminate in making you a, uh, a healthier person, a more able person, a stronger person, which is going to lead to success to the things that you want and joy and happiness. And that's a, that's a bigger deal, uh, than again, any one activity. Yeah. And it's, and that keeping doing it, sometimes people say, Josh, do you, well, you don't do burpees like, uh, when you're really busy or when you're really tired or you're not feeling well, I say, yeah, those are the ones, all the others are practice. The ones are, I mean, I ran a marathon after doing the burpees. And so one day I ran 26.2 miles and then I did 50 burpees. Not because I'm like, I wanted to punish myself, but because I do my burpees. And those, once you've done 50 burpees after running 26.2 miles, all the others are easy. Mm-hmm. And something that, uh, think of what life is like when things that were hard are easy. When you can always say, no matter what, no matter how challenging something is, I've already done something more challenging. And that's the value of that. I, I, it's, I can't put into words, but people I know who have picked up, like now increasingly people in my life, they're doing their things. And it could be burpees, but it could be other things. You know, I had a, a client and she, was, she went to graduate school to learn art history because she loved art and she wanted to be an artist. But art history is not art. And so she, start, she started a Sid shot, which was drawing a drawing every day. And total cost. She bought a couple of pencils and a couple of pieces of paper, almost nothing. Meanwhile, she's paying tens of thousands of dollars a year for her, her art history education, which is not teaching her how to be an artist. She picked a Sid child that was relevant to her passion and she developed skill in that area. And if you, if you think of an area that's important to you, you can always find some sort of Sid child related to it. If you want to be an athlete, it can be a sporting type thing. If you want to be a musician, it can be a music type thing. You know, when you practice music, that's a Sid child. If you want to be social, you can talk to a new person every day. If you want to be great in business, you can write down one new business idea every day or do X number of cold calls every day. And you will become expert in that. You will become, it will become second nature to you and you become great. You will reach greatness. Okay. I, again, on the psychology of this, uh, th- this is obviously it resonated with me. I'm in the personal development world. Tom and I, just like you, we're in the personal development world trying to get ourselves to do what we should, trying to help other people to make those healthier decisions. Just this morning, I had an email back and forth with a, a doctor, a, uh, um, a, a, a brain scientist, uh, or ne- she's a ne- uh, doctor of neuro- neurological science. Uh, and uh, a couple other people on a couple were working in a research study for mild cognitive impairment and working between uh, functional medicine and uh, supplement therapy and exercise and you know nutrition, all the areas. And this one couple, the uh, work that they're not doing is the exercise portion, which we need them to comply to in order to get the results that we need, yada, yada. So they're having a discussion. How do we get them to do that? And I immediately thought of the cold shower story. Uh, uh-huh. cause I was so impacted by it. You had this guy and I'm going to ask you to tell cause I actually tried to recite it to, uh, my partner who's a doc. Cause I, it was so, I was so impacted by that, uh, cause it was a different twist on it and showed the real power of it. So I'll shut up. You tell it. Uh, so then I'll be able to tell it better. Well, I have to give credit to a guy named Joel Runyon where I got it from. And that's the story it- I'm talking about his experience. Yeah. Okay. So Joel Runyon is, uh, at the time. He was a UPS driver, not his, that was not his passion. That's just what he was doing. And he won a contest, by the way, this is a TEDx talk. So you can see him do it, the full thing. I hope I get the facts mostly right. Okay, got it. 
And so he goes to, um, he wins a contest to have like a lunch or dinner with some famous entrepreneur whose name I don't know. And he goes to talk to the guy and he says, you know, I want to be an entrepreneur. And the guy says, okay, why, why aren't you? You're, you're, you're delivering packages. And he says, well, I need the money and I don't have the team and I don't have the idea and all these excuses. And the guy says, he asks the same question twice. And the guy, Joel answers the same question twice. And the guy goes, no, okay, here's the deal. Here's why you haven't started your company yet. Tomorrow morning, take a cold shower. So Joel's like, what? He doesn't get it. And he doesn't think much of it. He's like, all right, whatever. All right, so the next day he wakes up and he says, all right, I'm going to take a cold shower. The guy says, take a cold shower, I'll do it. So he's, he's walking over to take a cold shower. And as he reaches over to turn on the cold water, suddenly he starts thinking, oh, it's as if I did it. I'll just do it some other time. Blah, blah, blah. All this stuff comes up in his head that he recognizes as the same excuses for him not starting a company are the same reasons he's not going to turn on the cold shower because the cold shower is really uncomfortable. So instead, he turns on the cold shower, jumps in, and that was the beginning of the change. Like he says, those excuses were just stopping me, but I, the excuses were stopping me. My thinking the excuses were stopping me, not something out there. And once he was able to overcome it on a small scale there of the cold shower, he was able to overcome it in the rest of his life. So um, I'm reading this. I, I watched that video and on his blog, he's got, he writes this up and then he's got people can respond. And so I'm looking at the responses and the responses are like, this is really cool. This is really cool. But then they're like, I lost 50 pounds. Uh, I restored my relationship with my parents. I, you know, changed my job. And I'm like, what, like, how did, the, where is this jump from a cold shower to like all these other things. So as I'm reading it and it's like many, many posts. So now my post is in there after I've did this. So I'm, I'm reading, I'm like, you know, maybe I'll do this. Sounds kind of interesting. And then the more I read, I'm thinking, oh, I'm really definitely going to do this. And then I keep reading more. I'm like, this is amazing. I'm, I'm doing this soon. And then like at a certain point I read enough and I was just like, I turned around, walked into my shower and took a cold shower. Boom, right there. December in New York. So we're talking like very cold water. Mm -hmm. And then it said, so the challenge is, is to do 30 days of cold showers, minimum five minutes. And December into January is like kind of cold in New York. So I did it. And it was really, that's where the Sid Shaw concept came to me. It was when I was in a cold shower. And I, I should say since then, I, I still take cold showers, but I do it every fourth day because every day would be too much for me. Mm -hmm. You got to know what, what works for you. <laughs> so, um, it really, it's another thing that's like hard to do, but there's really no risk of injury. There's really, it doesn't take time away from anything else. It, again, took away all my excuses. And it's another thing that just gives you a lot of discipline. And a lot of people say it's very healthy. It might be, but that's not how I do it. I do it because I learn about myself. And every time I do it, before I do it, I'm thinking, oh man, I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> and when it's a cold day outside and I take a hot shower, I'm like, this feels so good. I can't believe, I really can't believe when I'm taking a hot shower that I take cold showers. <laughs> yeah. But after each shower, it is so invigorating and it's such a sense of accomplishment for such a simple task. All, all you do is just don't touch one knob. Although, and it's a, it's, and it's like, I think you get the value of like a big workout and it's not the fitness part, but the, the personal, the, the developing your, your, your character. Well, Sorry if I talked too long. No, no, I, I want, I was, again, it's, I'm enamored. I'm, I'm sitting here writing and thinking and, and thinking, I mean, it's, it's, it's somewhat the psychology of, 
overcoming or making friends with discomfort and, and, and procrastination and, and dealing with that, you've just taken us to a level that r- resonates from experiences in my life, but I didn't take captive and didn't make them again, routines and, and seeing the value and the cold shower thing, man, I, I, I absolutely don't want to do that. I, I live at 9,200 feet above sea level and the water is always just near freezing. Tom knows you've been here, uh, but uh, p- powerful Tom. I was just going to say, you know what, uh, Sitcha and the cold shower remind me of, and it's dad's anchor cornerstone talk that he's most famous for, which is his pump talk where he, he has Josh, he has this old fashioned water pump. And if you go on YouTube and you look up Zig Ziglar, you'll find it. Mm-hmm. And he's on stage and he's pumping away and he tells the story of the pump. And the pump is real simple. If you've ever been on a farm and you've ever gotten water from an old fashioned pump, you got to prime it first. You got to put water in it first. Uh-huh. before anything comes out. And the deeper the well, the more work and energy it takes to get it out. But the sweeter, the cooler, the purer the water is. Mm-hmm. And so all of these things are about, you know, not going to the stove and saying, you know, give me some heat and I'll put some wood in. <laughs> it's all about chopping the wood, putting the wood in, and then the heat comes. And our, our culture today is it's a 30 second solution. You know, it's like, take this pill, eat this, you know, bag of chips and, you know, go to this website and your problems are solved. But that's not how life works. It's about the cold shower. It's about doing the things you need to do when you need to do them. Uh, yeah. You I, know, I totally agree. And, and it, it's, it might seem like waste of time. Like most of the burpees that I do, no one has any idea that I do them. Most of the blog posts that I write, I don't know. I doubt there's anyone out there who's written all 20, who's read all 2,700 of them. But when I met an editor for Inc and I talked to him about, I wonder if I could write for Inc. And he says, well, we only want people who consistently write and we want to get some writing samples. I'm like, well, at the time it was maybe 2,500. I'm like, here's 2,500. He's like, all right, you're in. It's because I care about it and I act on what I care about. I don't, I don't just talk about it and things like that happen. And that's why, that's why Tim Ferriss, I, you know, I'm not him, but I think the reason he talked about me was, you know, he talked about burpees to Marty Jabala and it came up and I'm not famous for it, but it's something that, you know, that I care about and I don't hide from the world. And so the world reacts to it. And if anyone who's listening to us right now, there's something that you care about and you could probably act on it more than you are. And if you find something you can do every day, self-imposed daily, challenging, healthy, and active, you will become great at it. You will learn the relevant skills to it. And if it's not the best thing, you, it will help you find something that's even better. Like maybe, I mean, for me, burpees are really great, but maybe for you, um, for your fitness, maybe you're more interested in being limber, start doing burpees, and you'll realize you'll kind of slowly switch into stretching instead of burpees and you'll become more limber. Or maybe you want to be more, more about like bulking up. You'll start moving over toward what bulks you up. And maybe you'll realize that, well, you know, I want to do something more about mindfulness and you'll move more to meditation and you'll switch your sitchan to the one that was perfect for you. As long as you keep doing self-imposed, daily, challenging, healthy, and active, 
you will emerge, you'll gradually get into what is you are passionate about. You will become great at it. And people, you, and the people in your life will be people who also do things like that. They're not going to be people who complain about, oh, you know, I, I don't know how to do this or I can't do that. There'll be people who also do their thing and they'll see in you part of what makes them successful and you will be a peer as a successful person yourself. Well, Tom, you tell in the story of the pump, you know, the deeper the well, uh, the more the work. Who wants a shallow well? So uh, thankfully, we have a lot of listeners here, all of them, I'll say, who want a deeper well. So that this is significant. I do want to jump through real quick the other pieces of that. So we have self-imposed. The second part is daily. And you wrote, if you don't do it regularly, you'll drop it. Uh, you don't have to do it daily, but daily makes it harder to forget. Seems self-explanatory, but... Uh, I mean, are there some examples of things that you wouldn't think to do daily that you would say, no, it's better to go ahead and do it daily? Yeah, one, a couple of things drive me there. One is what you said. No one has an app for brushing their teeth. You just brush your teeth. I, I mean, the, everyone in my life brushes their teeth every day. I don't know people who don't brush their teeth every day. I think maybe in college, there might have been times when I woke up hungover that I didn't brush my teeth before mm -hmm. going to sleep. But I bet that the first thing I did was brush my teeth. So- if, once you make it daily, you take the, it makes it much simpler and you take the choice out of it. Having choice in it makes it mentally very difficult. Like I live on the fifth floor of a building. And when I walk in, I used to think to myself, should I take the stairs or the elevator? Stairs is more healthy. It's a little bit exercise, but elevator sometimes it's easier. That mental thought, look, I don't want to, I'm not, I'm not going to be on my deathbed being like, I'm really glad I thought about that decision, whether I should that's not what I want to think about. I want to think about hard problems. I want to think about stuff that's valuable to me. So I systematize that. I say, look, I'm just going to take the stairs. End of story. Done. Same thing with Sid Chas. I just say, I'm going to do burpees every day. I don't have to think about it. I have a certain level of fitness. I'm never wondering, should I, shouldn't I? I just do it, taken care of. So it's simple and it takes away the mental effort. I got to tell you, it's the burpees themselves burn a lot of calories, but that's not the hard part. The hard part is choosing to do it or not. That's hard. But if you take that choice out, it means sometimes I get home. Uh, it's a really long day. I'm really tired. I have And it's, if I had to think about it, I would often not do it. Mm -hmm. But I don't think about it. I just, I, I mean, I think about it, but I know that the answer is I'm going to do it. And that makes it so much easier. That's why, that's why after the marathon, I just did the burpees. So let me ask you a kind of a brain science question. I, I've uh, studying, you know, how people make decisions. If the decision is complex, the brain burns a lot of calories trying to sort through what am I going to do? And usually the result is no decision. Put it off. Yeah. I'm not, not going to do it now. And so what you've kind of done is answered that, that brain conundrum, which is I'm going to choose in advance to go ahead and do it. So when the time comes, I'm just doing it. Yeah. People, you know, they make, people make the New Year's resolutions and by February or April, they're gone. I mean, it depends on the person. That, this is to avoid that. I, I, it's what works for me and works for the people that, that have picked up these sitchas. And yeah, you know, it also came from a friend of mine when he started my blog, he, you know, he did the WordPress setting it up for me and I asked him, how often do you post? Is it like Monday, Wednesday, Friday or what? And he looks at me totally dead serious, just looks me in the eye and says every day. 
if you miss one day, you can miss two. If you miss two, it's all over. And that drove me to say, it's just easier for me not to skip any days than to risk having to restart from scratch somewhere. It's well, really, in a certain sense, simpler. The hard, it's, that choice is so much harder than the actual burpees. Yeah, and that's what I hear, the ease, the ease of, of routine and the, uh, yeah, take the choice. I, I, I'm enamored by that choice. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be playing with that. But I do want to hit the, the next one here, which is challenging, that we're talking about something challenging. You even say easy things don't help you. Watching TV, listening to music, and reading don't qualify. So it, it made me think of stress. Again, being in the, the health and wellness world, uh, we've given stress a bad name. But uh, my, my partner likes to say the opposite of stress is, is death. Uh, or at least atrophy. It makes me think, you know, you break an arm, you get a cast. Now there's no stress on it for a month or six weeks or however long it is. And you take that cast off and you've got this puny little arm in it. And it showcases the fact that, man, those daily activities we do are what help us be mobile and able and, and, and strong. And uh, so in that scenario of our daily routine, our daily habits are, you know, not a diet for a time being, but a diet for life. Where would you say you see us as a, as a culture often being the ne- most neglectful of challenging ourselves? Oh, phew, so many places. I mean, most it's probably some, it's, I mean, one thing that comes to mind is like diet since possibly because you just mentioned it. Uh, I mean, we certainly go for a lot of like what tastes good, Mm-hmm. restaurants that don't seem to serve healthy stuff these days. It's, it seems like most walking around this neighborhood, it's treats, you know, stuff that's pleasurable, not necessarily healthy. And so in my life, like I've learned to love vegetables and it's a more complex joy. Also this reactivity of, of like venting and not, you know, a lot of watching TV, a lot of this passivity of not deliberately choosing to do stuff to act on our values. Um, yeah, it's, we have a culture, it's not ubiquitous because there's definitely people who live the opposite way or, but there's definitely a lot of, of a message, you know, a, a typical advertising message is your life is bad. And here, if you buy this thing, it'll be good. You'll be happy. And we start to believe that message. I think usually buying a car, it'll probably make you happy for a little bit. But it's not like really long-term happiness. It's not like uh, what comes from, you know, opening yourself up to someone and, and having an intimate, close personal relationship where you can share your vulnerabilities and support them in theirs and they support you in yours. That's pretty hard. That's challenging. That's scary. It's a lot easier to just shell out a bunch of money to buy something, but that doesn't connect with, with who we are. So I think that allowing yourself to be vulnerable, allowing to open, which opens you up to be intimate and I use that word, it could be in, I don't just mean in between in family or with your spouse, but also uh, at work. You know, I don't mean intimacy in the same sense as with a spouse, but teamwork thrives when you can get each other's backs, when you know what the other, what's motivating the other person and why and what their weaknesses are so that you can match them with your strengths. And you can compliment each other. I call it intimacy. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if others, I don't know if others would use the same word, but to me, that's what I mean. That's challenging. That's really hard to say. If I share this weakness, it could hurt me. But if I don't, I'm not going to be me. I'm not going to, the team isn't going to be strong. We're not going to get the, get the project done. We're not going to, I'm not, I'm going to just going to work for someone and not have my own 
my own project ownership. Well, I, I'm interested then, and yeah, that's a big, that's a, that's a big one, but I'm interested in, it's, it's almost funny that you have the word healthy in here. Uh, we're talking about these daily habits, but I assume that you experience sometimes people doing this and you can come up with daily habits that are not healthy. Obviously you put in there, smoking doesn't count, uh, which did make me laugh, but that that has to be in there too, that this is something that you said that has to improve your health or well-being, which again, it's the Ziegler show. That's what we're about. But you're saying a daily, uh, self-imposed daily habit that is challenging and is healthy. So we're picking from a list. Obviously we're talking about burpees a lot. We're talking about a lot of physical aspects. Uh, do you have some that are specifically outside of that, that are, uh, even dietary, wait, 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 you hit it. What are some of the top ones for people to say, okay, I, I, I got it. I want to do a stitch. I want to start some healthy things. Is there a top 10, you know, list that you choose from that are easy? You, you so often, a couple of times you talked about, does it cost anything? You could do it anywhere. Yada, yada. Give us some help. Yeah. There's a, a bunch of different categories that they tend to fall into. So fitness and health is one, uh, aesthetic. So there's a lot of videos online of people who draw, every day or who sing every day or who dance every day. There's a, a woman who danced every day for a year. And by the end of it, she was like, she did the whole talk show circuit and she had this really cool video at the beginning her dancing was very good at the end. It's excellent. So aesthetic is one mindfulness. So meditation and, and yoga, that's another one, uh, which could be writing every day. Um, if it's writing nonfiction, that's more in one direction, but if it's writing fiction, it's another direction. Uh, and aesthetic, there's like drawing every day. Um, Business-related ones are cold calling every day if you're in sales or it could be writing down, if it's more entrepreneurial, you might write down a new business idea every day or five new business ideas every day. Or if it's more technological, you can try to solve a tech problem every single day. Uh, if it's social, you can talk to a stranger every day or it depends. For some people, that's really challenging or maybe they don't live in a place with enough. But you can do things like ask like you can ask someone the time every day. If some people are really socially, it's a big challenge for them just to talk to someone at all. So if you just ask someone the time every day, if for you, if for you that's challenging, that may be it. And like I started with 10 burpees a day and now I do over 50 a day. If you start with just talking to someone at all every day, after a while, that isn't as challenging anymore. And so you'll do not just ask them what time it is, but you'll hold the conversation for at least 10 seconds. And then maybe after a year of that, maybe you get to a stage where you ask the time and hold the conversation for at least 30 seconds or uh, things like that. So there's lots of different areas. And you know, everyone listening, an area that's important to you, that's valuable to you. So it could be social, it could be aesthetic, it could be mindful, it could be, um, you know, all these different things. And if you find an area that's important to you, then you can look for it within that area. So that's not a full list. I, I went by category within which there are specific habits. Yeah. Well, so habits. And so the you know, last part of that is activity. It is, it is an activity. And you said you have to physically do something. Thinking about things doesn't count. Writing does meditation does. And, uh, you know, there are uh, taking action on it. And we talked about, I think we talked earlier and I, and I read about in your book that you've got, it's kind of a recurring theme here at Ziggler that we can take in knowledge, take in knowledge. Well, it was, yeah, it was one of the statements we said earlier about you take in, take in, take in, that doesn't equate to action. So you're saying these are things that you are taking every day and taking action on 
and actively doing. We talked about this a little bit in show 481 with Mark Sanborn, actually talked about that, just kind of a soapbox of take action. Maybe, maybe stop taking in so much knowledge and take action on that. So these are, again, you've talked about simple routine and activities that we have to get up because it, I guess that, that's what ultimately brings us to the choice. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I had a, uh, when I was getting blurbs for my book, I contacted a lot of people. Would you write a blurb for my book? Would you write a recommendation? And one guy, he, he runs a coaching company and I used to coach for him. And I said, would you write a, would you write a blurb for me? And he, he gave me a response that I'd never heard before. He said, as a result of a coach for, you know, coaches have coaches. So he's got a coach. His coach was got him to read two books a year, meaning fewer books. Almost everyone I know is like more books. And the reason he's going for fewer books is that every time he only picks a book that will give him six months worth of stuff to work on. And he, he makes reading a book, not passively reading, but actively making that book meaningful to him. And I was like, that's really amazing. Cause I was always thinking, read more books, but if you read a book and it's got lots of stuff that you can get from it, and then you just jump on the next book right away, but haven't processed that first yeah. one, you haven't made it active. And so that active part is a big piece of it. And so depending on who you are, you might consider reading active meditation. You're sitting still. It doesn't look like it's that active, but I think mentally it's very, very active. So I think meditation would count. But if you, if you don't choose to, if you're not doing like, I used to take a long time to wake up in the morning. I'd lie in bed for like half an hour, 45 minutes sometimes. And I would tell myself I'm thinking and planning and making the day productive, but I wasn't. I was just lying there in bed, fooling myself into thinking those things. Maybe some people use that time more actively than I do, but I, I was kidding myself. And so I do other things in the morning. You know, I have my morning habits that are more active and they get my day started off much more effectively than just lying there. So reading the paper, is that active? I would, everyone knows for themselves what's active for them. For me, that's not quite there. I'll indulge myself in, in reading the paper or some social media in the morning, but I don't count that as a sit child. Your premise overall in ending this is that this sit this is an exercise and this, I think I, I, I pulled right out of the book or the blog. This is what will help you finally get what you want in life. It keeps you focused on what is actually important to you. Cause this is, you're saying here are some simple exercises, take the long term. I mean, Ziggler's all about goal planning. What are those long term, those big goals that you want in the areas of your life, in your physical health, in your, in your business, in your, in your career, in your relationships, in your spiritual life, here are all these things. So you want to get there. Here is a simple exercise that will help enable you to get to that point. And to me, it sounds like, obviously we made the case for it here, but it also seems like what, what could, it's still hard. It's still that choice, but this is something that, well, it's, it's what you said. It, you've taken away all of our excuses. So well, people wanna, are going to love I you wanna, or hate you for that. <laughs> I want to make a fine distinction that it took okay. me a while to get. All right. Is that a Sidcha is not, is a concept. So uh, burpees are an actual activity. Uh, drawing a drawing every day is an activity taking photographs every day and posting them online for people to judge. That's an activity. The concept of Sidcha, what makes it valuable is that, see, there's a lot of people that hear some habit and they think, Oh, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to exercise every day. And they start exercising every day. And then someone says, Oh, you know what? You should also uh, draw a picture every day. And they're like, Oh, I'm going to do that too. And then they pick up a second habit and then they pick up a third habit. And before you know it, 
they drop the first habit or they, they let it go. And they, they teach themselves that sticking with a habit is hard or that it's easy to, to let them fall apart. The concept and the problem with great effective habits isn't that there's not enough of them. It's just, there's too many of them. Mm. No one could do everything that they want to do. And so what the Sid concept says is pick any one of them. It doesn't matter which one, as long as you have one of them, you'll get almost all the benefit of any Sid and just keep it that one thing. And so like Marshall Goldsmith, he's got one. He's, he has someone that calls him every day and asks him, I forget the exact number it changes, but asks him six questions every day. I think like, did you spend time with your wife? Did you spend time with your kids? Did you do this? Did you, and the six things that he thinks are most important. I think the number changes as his value, as, as his life evolves. And he once said to me, Josh, you should do that. You should make sure that you have someone ask you these six questions every day. And I was polite to him. And I said, you know, I didn't say like, no, but I in, internally, I thought I already have my Sid Chas. If I pick up a new one, I have to get rid of an old one, but I like the old ones are working for me. So the Sid Chak concept says, pick a habit and stick with that habit. Now you can switch to another one. If you consciously choose it, the thing is don't just, it, it's the opposite of the opposite of this would be to be a, um, a dilettante. Hmm. Oh, I'll do this now. I'll do that then. And I'll do this other thing. And, and like, you don't, there's nothing that it's not, it's just one thing now, one thing later, and then you kind of drop them. So you, this lets you say no to other things that aren't the ones that you want to do and focus on the ones that you do want to do. So, so I got a question for you. I have a, I haven't called it a sitcha until now, but I practice this thing called the perfect start and it's the perfect start for me every morning. It's the first thing I do. I make sure I have no interruptions and then I do a sequence where I do a devotional. I read, I plan my goals out. I do my one thing. I do a mental model of the day. And this thing grew because I didn't start off being this discipline to stick with something for an hour. It started like a 10 minute thing. And then it just kind of grew. Right. As I got That's better what happens with these. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm speaking. I did a full day seminar and this guy comes up to me and he's and he's a young guy. And he says, Tom, I love what you said. Uh, how do I get started? And we talked a minute, so I knew where he was coming from, and I realized that he was letting life happen to him. He wasn't doing anything intentional or on purpose to to grow beyond what was going on. And so I said, look, here's what I want you to do. Can you set aside the first 15 minutes of the day? Three minutes, I wanted him to read our self-talk card, which is a self-affirmation thing. It takes three minutes. Mm-hmm. And then 12 minutes, plan his day around his goals. 15 minutes. Can you do the self-talk card? He said, yeah. Can, I, can you do the 12 minutes? Oh, yeah. Great. And then he looks at me and he says, Tom, I know me. I'll do it for three days. And then I'll stay up all night playing online games. And I'll be on the couch and I'll watch TV and I'll stop. What can you tell me that would keep me from stopping, right? Mm-hmm. And so then I go, okay, well, let me ask you this. If you did those things over the course of a year, would your life be different? He said, yeah. I said, quantify. He said, I have more money because I have a lot of ideas I know will translate into money. I said, well, that would be good, right? And he said, yeah, more money would be good. I said, well, how much money? He said, well, a lot more. 
And so I made him come up with a number and the number we came up with was $10,000. And I said, there you go. There's your reason, $10,000. And he looks me in the eye and he says, but I know me. Three or four days in, I'll quit doing it. What can you tell me that would keep me to do it? And, and so this is my question for you. There's the mindset change that has to happen. And then there's the action of the habit that has to happen. Mm-hmm. which one from a practical standpoint, does it matter which one comes first or is it just a commitment that no matter what I'm going to do it? Because every, every angle I came at with was, yeah, but I know me, I won't do it. And so. Well, see the way yeah. it worked for you was you started off with something small and eventually it was, you, you were like, okay, this is, what was once a challenge is now not so much of a challenge. Your skills developed, you grew, you like it. And so you added more and you added more. And so now it may take more time, but it's probably, you've probably, as, as your skills improved, the challenge was no longer challenging. And so now it's probably the same level of challenge as it was before, even though it's an hour instead of 10 minutes. I like that way of doing things. It's you figured out something that you did and you kept at it and you kept growing it and building and building and building it. This guy, I don't know. It sounds like he's playing word games with you. It's like a kid going, why, 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 why? You can always keep asking why. And he's just like, yeah, but I know me. I'm not going to do it. On a personal level, I've made a strategic choice when I coach people, when I teach people. If people come, after, come, come at me with something like that, I say, I'm not the right person for you. You, you want someone else. <laughs> Partly because I don't want someone like that in my life. And it's not, I, it's not that I don't want them in my life. I don't want that part. I don't want that to be part of our relationship. That's it. Everyone's got things that I disagree with. I mean, there's no two people that have entirely exactly the same values on everything. So I'm always going to have a value difference with someone. So I don't want my relationship with someone to be based on contention, conflict all the time. So I would, you know, I don't know. I personally, I would just say very politely, good luck. I can't help you with this one because and I'm not giving up. I'm finding other people where I can make a much bigger Delta and I'm still improving the world by just as much, probably more. Just I'm working with the people that can use my help. Got you. Absolutely. Well, I don't know if that, I don't know if I sidestepped the question. No, no, no you're, you're fine because at the end of the day, I call it the two D's dream or disaster. And people usually change when their dream is so compelling, it's worth it. Or they're so sick and tired and of being sick and tired and the disaster they're in that they'll try anything. Right. Yeah. And then we can help them. Yeah. And so, yeah. So I was just hoping that you had that, that answer pretty much what I did was gave him a reasonable uh, third choice, which uh, kind of pointed out that it was really, he's got to make the commitment. He's got to decide. Yeah, if, if he really, if he still kept at it, I mean, sometimes people I'll kind of push push on them, like push them away. And if they persist and they stay at it and politely and, and, and genuinely and authentically, then you know, unit four of my book is how to lead other people. It starts with understand yourself, lead yourself, understand others, lead others. And so the fourth part is I would, I mean, the basic structure of it is to communicate and behave in ways that they share what motivates them. And I find what motivates him. It might be money, but usually it's not money. Usually money is a stand in for something else. And then once I find out what that is, 
and this is like chapters in the book say specifically how to make people feel comfortable sharing these things because it makes them vulnerable. Connect that passion, that what motivates them to the task. And now that task becomes purposeful and meaningful for them. Right. So if someone, if the person did keep at it, that's what I would do. I, it's, I mean, I, I just like really glossed over several chapters in my book and several deep, meaningful exercises that take a lot of practice to get to really perfection, but it works very well. I mean, I've had people come back and they're like, I didn't realize that I could just inspire someone like that. And yes, you can. If you make them feel comfortable sharing what motivates them, connect that to the task, boom, that task, they love it. Well, and, and so you just gave me an open door for shameless promotion, which is, is and I'm going to ask one piece. You just glossed over it in your book, uh, but folks, go to Joshua Spodek, S-P-O-D-E-K, Leadership Step-by-Step is his book, Become the Person Others Follow. And in that, I'll, I'll give away the punchline. The, what makes the, the book so different? It's not just teaching leadership skills. It is having you go through the exercises, as you can imagine, the sitches of practicing leading. Uh, and it's profound. So go do that. But the four units of the, the progressive exercises uses in the book, and you just mentioned them, you, brought, you, you went real fast, understanding yourself, number one, number two, leading yourself, number three, understanding others, and number four, leading others. And I want to uh, wrap up, I, we keep doing this for a couple more hours, but I'm going I'm to wrap us on that number two, understanding yourself. I don't think that's uh, going to be super profound to the Ziegler audience. I mean, they, they hear that we all have a lot of work to do. And I really want you to go through the exercises that Joshua has in there on understanding yourself. But number two, I don't know if I've ever seen it put this way, like many of the things that you wrote about leading yourself, you know, to your, to the guy that you talked with Tom and to, to so many of us and, and to our, to ourselves, to me, I'll talk to me, to Kevin. There have been a lot of times where I've understood something you know, I think I understand others. I'm going to lead others, but did I practice leading myself in general or in a specific area that right there, uh, to me has got to be the, You've got to have gotten some raised eyes on, on that one or some people that never got hit with that. Yeah. You understand yourself. You want to lead others. Now first practice leading yourself. Just give us a quick breakdown on that part. Well, there's several different parts to it because a lot of it is habit formation and the Sitcha, I didn't write about Sitcha's in the book specifically, but it's a lot about how to pick up habits. There's a big exercise in there on how to speak authentically and how to get advice from other people. And in order to incorporate, because, you know, as a leader, you're the one person that you can't see from another person's perspective, but everyone's reacting to you from the outside. They don't know you from the inside. So to be able to communicate authentically, to be able to get advice from others, not just judgment, because it's very easy for, if, if I say to you, uh, how can I do X or Y better? Most of the times people will respond with, oh, you're great. Or, oh, you do this bad, or you do that good. But judgment it can help, but what's much more useful is, is advice. And so there's exercises in there to, for how to get yourself to do what you want to do. And ultimately, this is the groundwork for how to get others to, because we, we all have the same emotional system. I mean, you have your unique history and so forth, but we all have roughly the same brain and the same you know, hormonal system and things like that. And if you know how to operate your own, it's going to make it a lot easier to operate to act on another's. So it's everything built. So understanding yourself prepares you to lead yourself. Understanding and leading yourself prepares you to understand others. Understanding others prepares you to lead them. So this is build up, starting from simpler exercises 
going up to more complex ones. Well, thank you, Joshua. I'm excited about the book. I'm so grateful that we connected on this. I am, uh, I may be your biggest fan on Sitcha. I think Ziegler as a, as an organization can be a, a huge advocate for that. I agree with you. It is so profound. I'm going to be taking that. I mean, you just got me thinking about some certain things in my life that again, I, I took them for the benefit that they were in and of themselves. If I do my devotions every day, I'm going to have a deeper spiritual relationship with my, with my heavenly father. If I do my workout every day, I'm going to be more healthy and well, it was the end result of those things. And I wasn't seeing the benefit of, again, I love the, um, the cold shower analogy of this is helping me overcome, uh, the, the procrastination, the excuses it's making the power of me making those wise choices is, well, it, it's more valuable than the choice in, in and of itself and completing it. And that's, that's, that's profound. Uh, and I, so thank you. I'm, I'm just honored to have done this, to get to be a, a student with you right now. And we'll have to talk more about this. And folks, again, Joshua Spodek, S-P-O-D-E-K. Go to his website, check out his blogs that he writes every single day. Talk to him about your own experience. And, uh, and we agree to come back with us at some point, Joshua. Uh, yes, definitely. And uh, there's several times during this when I was, you got me very enthusiastic. I, I appreciate how you've led this interaction. And I'm thinking, Oh, this is like a, with Jared. So different, but like that, that enthusiasm, I really like. So thank you for making it as, as equal, but different as that conversation. Awesome. awesome. Thank you, Tom, brother. Always good to do this with you guys. Thank you uh, for uh, taking your time and folks. I know you got great value out of that. Let us know what you thought. You can talk to us at ask at zigshow.com or go again to joshuaspodek.com. Connect with Joshua. Guys, thanks. Have a blessed rest of your day. Thank you. Well, that, man, that gave me some different perspectives. I really appreciate this on the, uh, on the, on the Sitcha especially, but the overall thing. And I'm going to be, I need, I need some note-taking time. Uh, Tom, what stood out or, or was most interesting to you or just resonated? I tell you, Kevin, the, the, the cold shower story really resonated. And, mm-hmm. and of course, you'll, you know, the idea that when you do something on purpose, intentional, that you know is the right thing to do, even if it's small, but it's a situ, you know, it takes a little bit of effort and it has the appropriate benefit. It's like a multiplier. It, it like gives you the ability to do everything else better. Yeah. And it's, and it's funny, isn't it true in life that when we're on a streak, right, we're on a winning streak, we're doing things that help us in our physical, mental, or spiritual life, and, you know, for two or three weeks at a time, it's like, it's, it's almost like we've got a superpower. You know, it's, we're able to do more stuff and be more effective, more confidence. And it was just a simple reminder, it doesn't have to be complicated. It can be as simple as the discipline of taking a cold shower. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, a metaphor, but it says so much more. But, but that just really inspired me, no matter how simple the thing is that I want to build in my life, is that it magnifies everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, very much along the same lines. And, I, and it's really what I said, even in wrapping up with Joshua, that I am dwelling on is, yeah, it's those, those daily healthy habits, which I, I have a good number of. There's some other ones I want to do. 
but just looking at the exponential value beyond the end result of whatever that habit may be and, and overcoming that choice. When he talked about that, I love his, uh, just transparency and saying that even today, you know, okay, it's time to do his, his, uh, burpees and, uh, it's that choice to actually do that, which, uh, yeah, I'm doing now with my, my timer going off every day to drop down and do that. And it's, it's never real comfortable. It's never uh, oh, yippee. Uh, if it went off and you know, I got to, you know, have ice cream every hour or something, that would be joyful. That would be easy, uh, <laughs> but it doesn't do that. I just, I mean, I think that's just profound for us to grasp for me to grasp. I'm eager to talk to people about that and to keep talking about it on the show. And, and of course, you know, it, it hearkens to what, uh, what Zig talked about for so long with our daily habits and our self-talk cards, uh, doing our daily affirmations and, uh, Ah, yeah. Significant. Man, it's so fun to, to do this with you, Tom. Uh, it's been a little while, so um, uh, it was a gift to do again. Folks, we've got in the next show coming up, show uh, 484, I believe, it's with Evan Moffick, and it's on his book, The Happiness Prayer. And he is a Jewish, I think he's a priest, uh, but it's, uh, I, I, I first I looked at the title and I thought, well, what is this? And got into it and thought, okay, this is, this is great. And this came through us to us through Mark Tim. I think they have a connection. So that's going to be our next one. If you got value out of the show, folks, if you would please give us a rating and review in iTunes, that's what helps other people find us because it bumps us up in the ratings and helps them understand what they're going to get out of the show. So, so tell them about the value uh, that you got and just such a gift to walk with all of us inspiring our true performance tom such a gift brother thank you thank you brother all right take care everybody